Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Super Speedway falls right into the middle. Round two of the Cup Series playoffs. What a run! Blaney gets to win stage one. Those guys in the outside line are making me so nervous. Now that inside line will momentum as Reddick gets shoved out. And the five surging ahead. Now the nine. Will Chase Elliott stay behind him or will he try to win stage two? Elliott's going to win stage two. Nice work. Two laps remaining. A shot to advance. In the playoffs, Ryan Blaney, we see the nine of Chase Elliott slide to that outside line. He's going to try to take the lead with a little help from the 43. Elliott has the lead. Blaney with momentum. He's not going to get there. Elliott's going to win in Talladega. What a move by Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott was in jeopardy of advancing into the round of eight. That is no more. He has locked himself a spot in the next round of the playoffs. Welcome to NASCAR America Motor Miles. Nate Ryan here with Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett. Also be joined by Parker Kligerman and Stanford in a little bit. But first, already been a really newsy week, guys. <laughs> and we've got more news today. NASCAR announcing a big penalty for the number four Ford of Kevin Harvick for an unapproved modification of a single source part that was found after the race at Talladega Super Speedway. Harvick and Martin Truex Jr.'s cars were impounded, taken to the R&D Center for post-race inspection. And I've been told by someone at NASCAR they found an improperly modified deck lid on the number four Ford. So it results in this punishment, 100 driver and owner points lost by Kevin Harvick and number four team. Crew chief Rodney Childers suspended for four races and also fined $100,000 in this L2 level penalty have yet to hear if the team will appeal or not. Uh, initial reactions from... Well, you, I, you know, I think, and you go back to it, single source parts, okay? And that, that, that's the deal. That, that's been a rule from the very beginning. You can't touch these pieces. You know, they come in a box, you take them out, you take the bubble wrap off, you take the styrofoam peanuts away, and you put it on the car. You're not allowed to do anything else but that. And, and I, I will say this, I, I don't have a problem... And I'm going to bring up the William Byron thing, okay? <laughs> I don't have a problem with points in this situation yeah. because you ran a whole race and you took points from people. You took points from people by beating people on the racetrack. So you need to give those points back. Plus, I'm going to penalize you for some points. The, the Byron thing, it's apples and oranges from a point state. But I look at this one, and I think they already set a little bit of a precedent with um, Brad K Ke- earlier yeah. in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. So they've, they've laid the law down on this issue. So, I mean, I, I don't know any more than what you're telling us or what we've heard or read on Twitter. Uh, but I, I think the, this punishment fits the crime 
because it's already been it's right. already been doled out once before. Somewhat in line with yeah, what NASCAR said they were going to do with the next gen car. This year. What they said, yeah, yeah, they laid it out there. You know that that the fines and penalties were going to be heavy yeah. uh, with with these parts and pieces that are uh, out there and provided for you. Can't mess with them, and yeah. um, you know people continue to do it, um, and I think they're just finding out more and more. So what the owners are saving on the new car supposedly uh in cost uh, they're they're paying in fines and everything else so uh yeah you know, oh, i mean 100 points i you know, have to look at the point standings because it's obviously just happened all but you know you're talking about a sizable amount that yeah. could cost them in in owners and drivers points at the end of the year yeah, yeah. because they're still in competition yeah finish uh fifth uh they i don't think he's ever finished worse than what I'd like to know where, yeah. what his worst points finish is. I mean, uh, because he jumped in that and and that children's car and put it up in the points again that year yeah. from the very beginning of his career. He's been a top five, top ten driver. Yeah, certainly yeah. finishing outside the top ten would be very uncharacteristic for him and yes. that team. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to bring in Parker Kligerman. Parker, uh, your reaction to the penalty and was it surprising to you that you know, whatever NASCAR might have found here that they would have found anything at all after a super speedway race where? You know, typically we see teams maybe push the envelope a little bit more on like an aerodynamically dependent track, like a mile and a half. But super speedway racing seems to me to fall in maybe a different category. Yeah, and usually you would never even have the chance for a car uh, after a super speedway because it would be completely destroyed. So we had a pretty <laughs> clean one, and they had that opportunity to look at these, right? And I think, you know, Kyle, you said it, DJ. This is such an exploratory process for the whole sport, and especially these race teams, to deal with these single-source supplier parts, right? And also to be dealing with this ideology that you can't touch these cars. So, like, think about being as talented as Rodney Childers and all the engineers at Stuart Haas Racing and be looking at this thing and thinking, you know, I could change that and it would be so much better. But then having to resist that urge or find and try and work other ways to find speed in these race cars. So this is just going to continue to be a process that we're going to see, I think, throughout not even just this year. It's going to go into next year. There's no doubt in my mind. It's going to continue because we have had a culture and an ideology within this sport that you work on these things, you make them better, you find those little advantages, and that will continue. And that's just going to happen because we're racers. So I'm not surprised to see this kind of penalty for something in a decklet or whatever they, you know, you said they, they found there. But it's just I think this is a change for the whole sport that we're going to continue to go through and, and see these level penalties. And this is a drastic one. I mean, it's large, as you guys mentioned. But really, this has been the precedent they've set in saying, do not touch these cars. Yeah. And as I mentioned, a newsy week. Kevin Harvick's team not the only team to be facing a penalty now. Uh, William Byron actually be appealing the penalty that they had from Texas for the number 24 team. Uh, that appeal hearing will be here, here, held uh, tomorrow, and Hendrick Motorsports will try to appeal, I think, to get that 25-point penalty from Texas reduced. We also had news today, A.J. Allmendinger officially being announced that he'll be racing full-time in the Cup Series this uh, next season with Colleague Racing. And last night, unfortunately, we also learned Alex Bowman will miss another race, will be out for the Charlotte Roval because of con- concussion-like symptoms. We replaced again in the, in the number 48 by Noah Gregson. So... Let's start with the William Byron appeal. Uh, What do you guys feel like the chances are that Hendrick Motorsports can maybe get this 25-point penalty reduced? And if it is reduced, what kind of impact is that going to have on Sunday's race at the Roval? Okay, so I'm going to say I feel good. Mm -hmm. I I, I do. And and, and I'm going to say because Rick's a little upset about this. Okay, the Hendrick Motorsports, that Jeff, everybody in that organization is upset because 25 points in a three-race season 
is not a penalty. It's an elimination. It's, it's not. A hundred points for Kevin Harvick is spread over the course of 36 races, 30, 31 races to this point. So you look at it and it's like, okay, I, I got that. I'm not in the playoffs. That's a hundred points. But 25 points, it, it doesn't, percentage-wise, it doesn't weigh out. It, it's, it's, it's too much. So should he be penalized? I'm going to argue that point because I don't think he should have been penalized because he didn't see it. If he didn't see it, it didn't happen. If a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just asking a question. I'm just asking. Don't laugh, Parker. Uh, I'm just asking a question. So my point is, my point is, yes, they should have talked to him. Yes, they should. And I feel bad because Denny got spun out, but he had a chance to make it back up. You've penalized this guy 25 points, and it's pretty tough to make that up in three rounds. So um, I think it stands a pretty good shot of at least being reduced in some way, shape, or yeah. maybe not the money. Mm-hmm. Maybe the money goes up. Okay, maybe the money goes up and the points come down. Maybe yeah. it, maybe there's an adjustment. Yeah. But I, I think I think we'll see some movement. And if there is a reduction, I mean, we just saw the standings there, DJ. Currently, William Byron is 11 below the cut line. Depending on how many points he gets back, I mean, that could shift him above the cut line. Could throw Chase Briscoe and Austin Singer farther below yeah. the cut yeah. line. I mean, it seems like teams aren't going to be able to strategize how they're going to approach the Roval yeah. until this appeal, appeal hearing concludes tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think they were thinking about it anyway. Really, <laughs> but no, no, I, I have to agree with, with Kyle, too, that I, I, way too big of a penalty. I, yeah. I don't even know this should, in my mind, it shouldn't have been a points penalty. Yes. It should have been, if they wanted to do something, because as you said, they didn't even see it uh, as to what actually happened until later. And um, it... it you know, find him for, you know, some dollars and, right. and take that. But, uh, you, you know, you're talking about it in the playoffs. And, again, it's much too big for the for what happened and and where we are uh, with these uh, three race rounds uh, that we have going forward. So uh, just hope that they see it that way and, and, and that part of it is. And then everybody can go race. Obviously, everybody's going to know exactly what they have to do yeah. uh, on Sunday. Yeah. So – I think it's actually been weighing on some of these teams, DJ, in just a little bit because even last week I was having a discussion with Chris Gabehart who brought it up and said, so what am I out right now going into Talladega? He said, "Is if the 25-point penalty for William Byron gets a race, then we're one amount, you know, points to the good. If he doesn't get it back, then we're this amount. And that was before Talladega, right? So I think coming out of Talladega now with the last race, this is, has to be on the minds of many of those uh, teams, especially Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, who want to see how this plays out. And I, I'm with you guys in thinking, surely this gets reduced in the points category because that's just as you put it, Kyle, so eloquently with the difference between a full season and just three races. This is such a massive penalty. Um, and I think this could set a precedent and at least hopefully an investigation amongst NASCAR to look at sort of penalties within these playoffs to say this is a bit muddied, right? Why, why are we talking about such a massive penalty of points two weeks after a race that then affects everyone else's understanding of the last race that just happened at Talladega and now the race upcoming at the Roval as we try to go and race for a championship? I just think there's possibly a better way to do this and to look at these sorts of things. Now, obviously, car infractions, that's different. But in terms of yeah. conduct yeah. amongst drivers, in the cars, there's got to be a different way to look at this. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically telling me, for lack of a better term, and don't care where on TV, that I can't get pissed off because somebody puts me in the wall yes, and I, I can't you. let him know that. Yeah. I, I really, and we, whether he, and I'm sure he didn't really mean to spin him out. I think he yeah. wanted Denny's attention that, hey, I didn't appreciate what happened there, and I want you to know that. But but to come back and to dock him 25 points uh, because he's mad, uh, I'm sorry. We we I thought we went past that 
a number of years ago to where we were going to yeah. let the drivers handle this itself. I realize we don't especially want them doing it with their race yeah. cars, uh, but again, I don't really think that he went up there with the intention of spinning Denny down through the grass. Yeah. Uh, is my personal opinion. No, I, listen, I, I agree, and and the, this is there's there's multiple layers to this as you look at it, and we look at the penalty, and and this to, to me as a competitor, if I am if I am Chase Briscoe, if I am Austin Cindric, if I'm Daniel Suarez, and, and if I'm those teams, if I'm Penske, I would have wished that NASCAR and, and would have taken care of this last week before I went to Talladega. Sure. So I knew what field I was playing on. So I knew the lay of the land. I knew what, what I was playing against. Because basically, you went to, to, to into Talladega knowing you had to get everything you could get, but still not knowing what you were going to come out because it was laid this way. So is that something we need to look at moving forward is if there is an infraction or a penalty doled out on a Tuesday, should the hearing be on Wednesday or Thursday before we get to the next race in a round so that everyone knows what we're playing, yeah. what the field is? Yeah. Because we waited two weeks. We've run a race. And now here Thursday going into a race, players still don't know what they're, what they're racing against. So I think that's a great point by Parker. Yeah. There needs to be a system in the playoffs, in the playoffs, you can do this in regular season, yeah. but in the playoffs, it needs to be expedited where it's it's happening. We're gonna, we're you know, we're having night court, okay? We're, we're coming <laughs> in tonight, baby. It it's, it's a it's a people's court. Bring we're coming in, 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 yeah, man. Yeah. It makes total sense, and I think you know we saw in the Xfinity series with Jeremy Clement's situation, right? Yes. That was yeah. kind of muddied as well with what they were dealing with, who was going to get into the playoffs of the Xfinity series. So it's just. Yes, you know, that's outside the, the playoffs uh, scenario like you just mentioned, but it just seems like this, the way we've designed this system in terms of racing for a championship, the penalty system now has to basically get in line with the championship format that we have. Yeah. And yeah. right now they're disconnected and too, too discombobulated. So yeah. before we leave this topic, I just want to get one more thing from you guys. Uh, so he got penalized 25 points, and if he would have been parked at this point in the race where he spins Danny Hamlin under caution... Uh, he would have finished 30th, and he actually would have had a net loss of 23 points. So he actually got penalized two more points uh, yeah. because the penalty was retroactive. Than if they had parked him. Than if they had parked him. Uh, <laughs> generally, NASCAR parks drivers for hitting them under caution. But in this instance, I think this was a little bit different than, you know, Kyle Busch versus Ron Hornaday Jr. Oh, yeah. at Texas in 2011. Yeah. What do you think? Because I think this could play into the appeal hearing decision tomorrow. What, what do you think William Byron should have gotten if NASCAR have reacted in real time? Should they have put him at the end of the lead lap? Should they have put him at the back and made, parked him for a lap? Like, what would have been the appropriate penalty? I, listen, I think, I think, for me, I think holding him on pit road for a couple of laps, whatever, put, put you a couple of laps down. You know, yeah. t- put you in a different place, but you still have an opportunity to make it up. Just like Denny had an opportunity to go to the back and make his 20 positions up. Give me that opportunity. Even if you penalize me a couple of laps. Um, it, we go back to, to William's words, and he said, I meant to hit him. I didn't mean to spin it. They're going to have a hard time proving intent, that he intended to take him out. He didn't intend, just like Dale said. He intended to, in the words of the great Dale Earnhardt Sr., rattle his cage and let him know he was there. Yep. You, you know what I mean? And that I don't appreciate what you did. So I, I think, you know, putting him on pit road for a couple of laps, um, you know, sending him to the back of the pack, there's a multitude of things I think they had at their disposal. Um, but you can't use the things at your disposal if you don't see it. Right. If you don't see right. it. Okay? So there's your problem. Yeah. Uh, and that falls squarely on the shoulders of the sanctioning body 
and the 675 cameras that they have at the racetrack that nobody seems to watch. <laughs> Most of which are in pit road, by the yes, way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, well, let's move on to uh, another news topic. A.J. Allmendinger, uh, as I said, announced full-time for 2023 in the Cup Series with Colic Racing for next year. Um, Parker, I want to get your take on this first. Um, kind of an unprecedented pathway to the top. A, a redemption story like we've never seen. A.J. Allmendinger was in the Cup Series for several years, uh, 2007 to, I believe, 2013. Um, ends up to having to take a step back. Runs the Xfinity Series, um, you know, worked for NBC Sports for a year, and now after returning full time in the Xfinity Series, now he's moving up to the Cup Series. Uh, what do you make of that that journey? Because it's it's kind of really unprecedented. Nay, it's it's wild, and you know, AJ is a good friend of mine, so I've seen a lot of this happen. And I even go back to think of like how he got into racing. He was an open wheel like prodigy, you know, that was almost tabbed maybe to be American going to, towards Formula One. He ends up in champ car at the time, wins races over there, links up with Red Bull, and they say, we're going to take you to NASCAR Cup Series in one of the most competitive years of all time in 2007. You know, gets thrown in the deep end, is a journeyman through NASCAR, as you, put, as you pointed out. You know, gets all the way to being at Team Penske, drives an Indy car there for Team Penske, which is like being knighted in the racing world. Uh, and then, you know, eventually finds himself in the TV world and gets part-time with colleague and now goes all the way back to Cup. And DJ, I think the funniest part about this, and just knowing AJ personally, right, is he, he's a very funny character, and he loves to play golf. He plays a lot of golf. That's really fit in with his, sad, his Xfinity schedule. But when you talk to him about Cup for the last couple of years, it was a hard no. It was yeah. a really hard no. Like, I don't want to go do that. And now, here we are going to Cup. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, though, it shows what Matt Colling means to him, that organization. He's, I've, I've watched him sort of help build that organization to what it is and I just feel like he feels almost responsible for it or what do you have written there what do you have written there dollar signs and zeros yeah yeah that too yep that too yeah yeah makes a lot of difference you would have to think and I'm not saying that's wrong I I, I appreciate well I'll tell you part stick with NBC your time will come too I know this is the reason it'll get you back there that's the reason I signed up with NBC I was hoping it was my pathway back man uh, <laughs> oh. That's a, I've been trying is, to sign up for a driver development program for a while. I saw yeah, an opening yeah. at Toyota, but they, they said I've already That's developed it. for some reason. I understand. But. Yeah. yeah, this is a good opportunity. Yes. AJ, I mean, he's done every. You know, he has helped put this team on the map, yes. uh, no doubt, yeah. this right. organization. Uh, from the, the Xfinity side to the Cup side, uh, you know, he, he's done a lot for them. And for him to be rewarded, hey, I appreciate it. You know, he's gone while he was. An Xfinity driver, he went and won a cup race. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. you, you, I'm happy for the guy. You, these chances don't come along very often. I got second chance in, in the yep. Cup Series uh, back in the 90s uh, when the uh, Neil Bonnet was injured and the Wood Brothers uh, gave me the, the opportunity to drive the 21 car. So I appreciate second opportunities and uh, good for AJ. Well, yeah. I think what, one of the cool things about this is, is we watched these highlights of him winning the 2001 Cup race. Yep. At Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I mean, Grant, he's won a lot of Xfinity races the last few years, but yeah. he's shown that on road courses in oh, Cup, yeah, yeah. he already can win. And I saw conventional wisdom today. I saw some on social media people saying, should you pencil, pencil A.J. Allmendinger in for the Cup Series playoffs yeah. next year? He's going to have five oh. shots on road courses to make the playoffs. That's a great point. He's yeah. a lock. Yeah, he's a lock. That, that's a great point. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but, so I, I, I look at it, and, and it, it is a great story. It is a great story because you had a driver, and we've danced around it. 
who was suspended from and fired because of banned substances. Right. Um, and he went through NASCAR's program. He went through NASCAR's program. He did everything he was supposed to do to make that opportunity and that second chance available to him. And he sat there, and he waited on it. And he waited on that opportunity. He took a ride here. He took a ride there. He did everything he could to get his foot back in. Matt Colleg picked him up uh, as we go through the process, and has stood behind him. And A.J. has stood behind Matt. And, and I think that's, that's we can talk. You know, you can say it's a hard no, it's a hard no, it's a hard no. But I know you've done it, and I've done it. We've driven for guys that if they called you today and said, let's go to war, we're going to yeah. go to war with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we believe in them that much. And I think that's what we have here. It's got to be dollars and cents, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think that's a lot of what we have is Matt and those guys believed in A.J., A.J. believed in himself. He's never given up on himself. He's that kind of driver and that kind of kid. Um, and he's believed in himself, and now he has another opportunity. Is he going to come out and run in the top two or three every race? Is he going to have that? No. But there are opportunities that he has that I can name about 15 other drivers that don't have those same opportunities to win at those same racetracks. So I agree uh, with, what, with what Parker says. He's going to win a race, and he's going to find himself – in that playoffs next year. I don't know how far he'll go, but here's a guy who will come total full circle, total redemption to be in the playoffs again, I, yeah. I think. I'm sure – oh, go ahead, Parker. Well, no, I just want to say, he almost won a race this – you know, Watkins Glen yeah. this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. at, at yeah. Indianapolis, he was right up front in the last race, few restarts. Like, to me, in a part-time schedule, he was that close. At Gateway, he ran really well, you know, on an oval in one of the cars. And I think for colleague racing, Matt Colleague and Chris Rice just – you know, whatever they spent, just bought themselves way, leaping and way up the field with that 16 car. I think that 16 car is outside the top 25 points right yeah. now, owner's points. You've got Justin Haley, who actually quietly has done a really good job um, in that 31 car and has been actually on a bit of a heater the last couple of weeks. So I think for colleague racing, who, you know, makes this huge commitment to go into the Cup Series, buy those charters, you know, this is his opportunity, especially within the Chevy camp, to put, you know, Go up there and be more competitive or as competitive as some of the best Chevy teams, right? And I think that's a really powerful thing that he's, you know, committing to here. And for, you know, I, I think it's unconventional, but, you know, we've sat here many times where Steve Letard has often said that, you know, A.J. Elmer would be the most valuable people, drivers out there because of his proudness on road courses and the ability to win a race and get you in the playoffs and what's that's worth. You know, from going from 25th to being in the playoffs is worth about a million bucks in just straight up prize money at the end of the year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and like, he's proven, there you go. Yeah. Just there. Yeah. yeah, he's proven in the Xfinity series that he's there's more to AJ, and we've yeah, known right. this. He's more to him as a driver than just on the the road courses. Sure, he yeah. can sure get the job done, and yes. so he's yeah. going to elevate yeah. their Cup program, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's been four years since he raced full time in Cup. A lot has changed in Cup since then. Do you think that factors in that maybe it's not quite the grind? that it was when he left that 36 race schedule? Yeah, 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 he's got another day or two to play golf to satisfy that <laughs> need. So, yeah, so he'll be okay. Yeah. I think yeah. he'll be fine, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you have to look true. at it, too. Yeah, the cars are totally different, too, yeah. now. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. think that, yeah, yeah. yeah good timing and good I, fit. I will say this. I, I, I think the hardest thing, I, I think the hardest thing that, that he will have to figure out um, for me is I sat and watched races this year is right now he races Noah – and, and uh, Brandon Jones, he races the same group of guys week in and week out. The cup schedule, 
they put them in a bag and throw them out there, and you're racing five, ten <laughs> yeah. different guys. Nineteen every winners all the time. Nineteen every, winners every week. Yeah. Every week you're having to race different people. Yeah. So to learn and to develop his book on what Denny Hamlin does now, yeah. on what some of these guys do now, and to understand how to race those guys, that'll have to be a learning curve for him. But listen, he's, he's raced against these guys. He's raced at this level. He's raced at the top level so much. That'll come easy, but that'll be the learning curve that he has to go yeah, through. I agree. Great opportunity for AJ. Yeah. Great move yeah. by colleagues. Yes. I'm sure they're going to get the for return sure. on their investment for whatever more that they're paying him. I think the only downside for me is we're not going to see him at this desk anymore, I don't think, yeah. as much, which is too bad because we enjoyed having yeah. AJ Allmendinger as yeah. part of NBC Sports. But good luck to him in the future. When we come back, other side on NASCAR America Motor Miles, we'll be taking your phone calls and talking about the Roval cutoff race this Sunday at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Welcome back to NASCAR American Motor Mouths. As I mentioned, NASCAR and NBC tweaked here with IndyCar representation. You see them in IndyCar, now you see them in NASCAR this weekend at the Roval. Marco Andretti making his Xfinity debut. We've got Sage Karam, who's been running in the Xfinity series this season. He'll be uh, also on the Roval Xfinity race. And, of course, Connor Daly, who we talked about, making his Cup Series debut at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval this weekend. So what do you guys think? A lot of IndyCar representation. A lot of Indy 500 starters in the field of uh, NASCAR races this weekend. Yep. Let's send some of our guys over there. Just pick us three or four and send them over there. I'm hearing you might see one next year. So it's pretty close. Oh! oh yeah. okay. Breaking oh. right here on Motor Mouse. Just Come saying. on, break it. Break pretty, it. Break can't it, say, break can't it. Say who, break can't it. say who, but it's pretty close. So Break it. We'll see. Anyway, right. yeah. I'm excited because I think, you know, I just, I said earlier, I just like seeing the crossover. Yeah. You know, I like I seeing, too. I like seeing these guys come over and do this. I like seeing NASCAR drivers go do the Rolex 24. Uh, you know, I just like seeing race car drivers mix it up and show how cool motorsports is all around and that you don't need to be a fan. You know, if you're a fan of just IndyCar, you know, there's yeah. no reason just to you know, pigeonhole yourself there and not watch NASCAR. There's no reason not to check out all different motorsports. Yeah. For so many years, for so many years, we didn't have that. Right. If, you, if you go back to, to the late 60s and the 70s and stuff, you had Bobby and Donnie and Kale. They went and ran Indy cars. And you had Mario and AJ and those guys, and they would come over here. Yeah. Um, and then it just became specialized, and yeah. nobody crossed that border. Nobody crossed that border. It is, that's, that is the cool thing now is to see people crossing. And, and, and listen, we talked about it. We've talked about it on this show. We've talked about it pre-race. This car, we felt like, would open that door with so many things that these guys are more used to. Yeah. Um, not the antiquated stock cars that we've run for the last you know, 20 or 30 years, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but this car with the independent rear suspension, uh, the rack, the sequential shift, so many things are what they're used to. So hopefully we'll yeah. see more of it. Yeah, and, uh, Marco Andretti will have none of that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> As what? Marco, Marco Andretti will have none of that, that in the Xfinity in the, uh, no, no. car. No, he's, in, no. he's going to – I just can't – all right, I just can't imagine first start Roval. Like, it's well, – there's, yeah, there's no forgiveness. It. 
Right, like which Burton has been saying all year that this is the second toughest track on the yeah. circuit after Darlington DJ. So yeah. uh, I want to ask you, I mean, you've been in the Indy 500, so you've talked to some of these guys. Why are they coming to Charlotte Motor Speedway, I guess, to make their, their NASCAR debuts in the case of uh, Andretti and, and Connor Daly? Or Cup Series debuts, I should they say. They are 100% yeah. sure and know that it's the Roval, right? That it's not the... Okay, they're not... I might have to text them real quick. I'm going to text them and just find yeah, out real quick sure. if he knows <laughs> yeah, that he's, yeah. he has to go left. Because I don't yeah. know why they would want to come for this, <laughs> yeah. other yeah. than that. But, you know, they, because they do so much of the road racing side uh, yeah. in their Indy cars, uh, I would imagine that has something to do with it. Um, yeah. and, and for the ones that have run... Uh, Daytona, the 24 hours there, um, you know, it's a little bit similar yep. in, in that respect. Uh, and, and obviously, their season being over, uh, it's a good time for them to go. I think it's great that we get to see them in an environment that they're kind of uncomfortable in. Uh, it's just like when our guys go over and, and try to run the IndyCar. I mean, you know, Jimmy Johnson found out that that's tough over yeah. there, yeah. Uh, yeah. among many others that have gone over uh, yeah. during the year. So I just think it's fun to see them out of their regular environment and see what they can do yeah. and the appreciation that they have. Yeah, and Marco got used to being wrecked by Paul Tracy and, and Tony Stewart in that SRX, XLY, LMNOP, whatever that series was. So, yeah, so he knows how they drive, so he's ready for it. Yeah, well, speaking of things that are confusing, I did say that we had talked about this earlier. That was on a social segment, which you'll be able to see later in the week. A bigger discussion about the IndyCar guys coming to NASCAR. We talked about it in the lobby before we came in here. I'm new to this hosting thing, in case you hadn't figured that out. Let's go to the phones. NASCAR America Motor Mouse and start with our friend Marvin Blue. Marvin, welcome to the program. Thanks, Nate. Great to be back on it. Uh, uh, Not being on yet, uh, last Monday I got sick at a football game. Oh, oh, no. Sorry to hear that's why football's not a good sport, Marvin. That's why football's not a good sport, man. Yeah, I know. But, uh, hey, we're heading to the Roval this weekend, and I got to know, who are you guys picking to win on Sunday? And I want to give you guys my pick on who's winning on Sunday. Daniel Suarez is going to win. Oh, I'm putting right. my foot down. I like that's a bold that. pick, Marvin. I, like I don't know if we'll get man. a pick as bold from that is these bold. three, but have at it. That's bold. So I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go bold like Marvin I'm going to go Ross Chastain. Hmm. Huh. I'm going to go Ross. Listen, I got Ross going all the way to Phoenix. I got, I got Ross going all the way to Phoenix. So I'm going to say Ross Chastain this weekend. How about that? that I, I'll go I'll go along with Marvin with Trackhouse. I'm, I'm going to take what I consider kind of the layup in the easy way, and I'm going to give you two drivers. Um, <laughs> And they drive that number eight and number nine cars because yep. neither one of them have anything to lose. And they're True. probably the two best road racers in this car uh, with Tyler Reddick and, and now Chase Elliott with him, you know, having an open weekend, basically. Yeah. Uh, they've got nothing to lose. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, they've been the two best at this. So yeah. I don't see why one of them. House money for the guys That's who are the favorites yeah, they, in this They've race. got yeah. no points involved. All they want to do is win. Yep. Yeah. These are good picks, guys, but they're all going to lose to my pick. Uh-oh. William Byron in the 24 car oh! will win at the Roval. <laughs> Count it. I don't know what the yeah. odds are right now. I haven't seen them yet, but that's who's going to win. Well, why are we worried about this penalty situation yeah. <laughs> for him? If he's going to go win, I think he's <laughs> just going to put behind him. You he's should call. You need yeah. to call Mr. H and let him know everything's going to be okay. I, yeah. You know, that's my next text. I mean, yeah. that's he, that's every time I text him about a ride, he doesn't respond. But this time, I sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
I thought he was at your beck and call. Like, oh, that's good, Texas man. That's good. Oh, yeah. It's Parker. Let me answer this. That's All good. Right. Yeah, cancel the appeal hearing. Parker yeah, has picked good. William Byron. So I got it. William Byron winning this race would be pretty monumental because, as I just said, I mean, a lot of people say this might be the toughest track in the playoffs yeah. after Darlington. Uh, what makes this track so difficult? I know it's kind of like, I mean, I always think of it as like, it's almost like this Frankenstein monster of racetracks where they've combined an oval with a road course with we're going to have street course type uh, narrowness and, yeah. and being close to the walls. I, I would presume that that's part of what makes this so difficult. You know what? I think there's a lot of things. And, and, and I, I do. I mean, I've run, I've run Daytona, which is a big roval. Okay. You know, yeah. when you run it, it's, mm-hmm. it was a roval. And, but it, it's just a different racetrack. This is... It's technical. There's more elevation changes than, yeah. than you would ever imagine when you look at the racetrack, when you see them up and down, almost off-camber feel uh, to them. Really sharp turns, really tight turns, really so, slow sections of the track. For them to run as fast as they run on the speedway up on the, on the bank, there's some really slow sections of the track. So you've got to hit your marks. You've got to make things happen. You've got to take advantage of when something happens in front of you. And, oh, yes, if you do put a wheel wrong, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. So I, I think a lot of things come together um, to make this just a terrible place for a driver. It's okay to go run it, but you just don't want to race on it. You, you know yeah. what I mean? You want to just go out there by yourself and run laps, but you don't want to race on it. So to put other cars out there, uh, there's so many things that come together. I, just watching it, that's, that's the feel I get. Yeah, I'm going to defer to the young driver here. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say that the, the thing that shocked me the most – through all the years that I used to go jogging through the infield in Charlotte, I had no idea elevation change uh, that is there whenever you see this racetrack. And so you talk so. about the track, Parker. Yeah, and let me, let me just say that I saw him jog a lot because for every time he'd come by, I'd drink one, and then he'd come back by, and then I'd have another one, man. I just watched him jog by. <laughs> I'm actually, you get so close to the fence down there, and I think it's turn six and seven, the right-hander's uphill, which is that elevation change. You can actually see them drinking up against the fence. (laughs) I kid you not. It's pretty wild. But this racetrack, to me, is so unique, and you guys both pointed out some great parts to it because the thing that sticks out, though, is that there's just nowhere I would consider to be a conventional corner. And what I mean by that, here you're in turn one, you break at a weird angle. There's not great, you know, signage around you. You go uphill into this weird tunnel of turn two downhill into turn three where you think you never bring enough speed but suddenly you're heading downhill and the car just goes away from you off into turn four here where you can never get the power down over a curb all the way out to the grass and now you head to where i was saying you can basically see people drinking it's up here on the right uh and this is a weird corner you're breaking and turning right right there so you can see that man right there drinking he had a bud light uh and now you're down to this weird elevation change that just like you can't see anything you head directly for a wall you're begging the car to turn back on the throttle on the banking and this is like possibly the only time you ever catch your breath and it's, you're being you're pounded into the seat as you full throttle accelerate through this banking and now into like what would be the most traditional braking zone, but it's a mile long because you go from like 170 miles an hour down to basically, I don't know, 40 miles an hour through here, hop the curbs, once again try to get the power down, and then you head onto the banking again. And guys, this is the craziest one. You head towards this last chicane where you got to like ask the car to slow down, brake, and come off the banking all at the same time. It's just one of the wildest laps in all of racing, I think. Yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. taking a, uh, an yeah. onboard lap job, around dude. the Roval here uh, and great insight there from Parker. DJ, I think what's interesting is that 
the next gen, a lot of its development occurred at the Roval about a year ago. Uh, teams yeah. turned countless laps. So drivers do enter this race, even though it's the first time they've raced the next gen at this track. They come in with some experience, some laps here, but they also come in with the knowledge that this is where a lot of the steering problems started yeah. with yeah. the next gen yeah. mm-hmm. about a year ago. What do you think that's like for the cup drivers? I would think they're coming in with like some comfort that, like, hey, we've been around this track in this car, but at the same time, when you think about what's happened lately at Bristol and some other yes. places, there's probably some concern as well. I, I think 100% concern with it, uh, along with other things that, that have developed through the year uh, with this. I, I know they've run the tire uh, a number of times, uh, so that's a good thing, and, and haven't really seemed to have that many issues with this particular tire that Goodyear's bringing this weekend. Uh, but you had uh, those steering concerns, I mean, that's yeah. huge. You have to just watch that lap there that Parker uh, described to us there uh, of how much input you're doing, how much you're turning right and left, and then you get into the banking and you're adding that to. Um, I, I think there's you know there's reason for some concern, and especially those drivers that are in the playoffs and now sit just enough above the cut line that any points lost uh, could be yeah. very detrimental to them and their chances for a championship be gone just like that. And after Parker took us on that lap, not that I ever had any thoughts about driving again, but it certainly wouldn't start here. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be at this point. It, it is, it is I, I think the mechanical concerns have to be a big issue. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen transmissions. We've seen the steering thing. The steering thing just fascinates me. I talked to a couple guys this week who had rack issues at Talladega. Yeah. Now, I understand that at Bristol. Yeah. And, I, and I could understand yeah. it here. Yeah. But at Talladega, when you're afraid to even cut into your pits because yeah. you're afraid it's going to lock, yeah. Yeah, because you don't know where it's at. So uh, whether that's life cycle on the parts and pieces, I don't know. Uh, a lot of things are playing down as we wind down through the end of the first year with this car, um, with, with the parts and pieces and, light, and you know Kevin's car catching on fire. We'd already seen two or three. Uh, and we talk about that at, at Darlington and burning down. So... There's, there's just issues that can raise their head, and no matter how well-prepared the team is, and no matter how well-prepared the driver is, and how focused you are on going out there, the piece of equipment has to hold up. Yeah. Um, and we've seen issues with, with the equipment this year. Um, and this is a place, just like Bristol, that's going to beat that piece of equipment to death. Yeah. It's going to beat this piece of equipment to death. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the playoff contenders do hold up. And, and not to dwell on things that could go wrong, Parker, but this is also a track where the tire pressures are wildly varying in terms of like what works well on the flat infield section versus the banking, especially in the three and four where there's so much load on the tire. And I, I would think you want to keep it kind of lower for the infield section, but that's not going to work so well on banking that's used to taking cars at close to 200 miles an hour. I'm going to call you Steve Latart now, Nate. You just described that perfectly. I, 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 just, like I, I just re- <laughs> and I reiterate everything I heard Stevie say this morning. <laughs> no, it's, it's good stuff. I, I think that really is true. And we talked you know, in the past about how you set up that car for the infield section versus what you want it to do through the banking and that sort of thing. And now really with this car, that lends itself to sort of what you do with the tire pressures. And that is a huge discussion. And I think it's going to be a game of, you know, of give and take for those crew chiefs as what you do with those tires that are going to have to go to the infield and make grip in very slow speed corners that are just not a lot of grip and want a lot of mechanical grip and then get onto the banking where the car is going to go through a tremendous amount of load, especially that turn three and four banking as you come out of that chicane and head towards the last chicane. That is a tremendous amount of load. That's where some of those issues were happening when testing when we talked about you know earlier in the year and actually last 
fall and uh, winter when the, they were having some of those stream rack issues. So it's just one of those places that you can't really set up for one type of corner or one type of load. So it's going to have to have that give and take. And, guys, I just want to update you. I did text Connor Daly asking him. <laughs> Dale Jarrett would want to know that you know it's the Roval. He said, checks notes. Yep, got that written down. He'd like you to know, Dale. He has all of your diecast cars, even the UPS ones. <laughs> so, he's a big fan. Anyway, I appreciate uh, that. He knows it's the Roval, so we're good there. We've done our homework there, guys. All right, good. We're good. good. All right. All yeah. right. I'm glad we've got that figured out. There. I, I'm, I am glad. All right. Well, let's take another phone call from uh, Josh on the line. Josh, welcome to NASCAR America Motormouths. Thanks, guys. Um, so. Forgive me for saying this, but I will preface this question by saying Chevrolet will always have the best drivers, as Bill France Jr. once said to Jimmy Spencer. And so far this season, we've seen Chevrolet winning consistently both on and off the track, while Toyota and Ford are having major losses and penalties. For one, we've seen Chevrolet over the last few weeks gain Kyle Busch, Chandler Smith, and Brandon Jones, all at Toyota's expense. On the other hand, we've seen Ford have three of their drivers in the Cup Series get level two level penalties throughout this season. In Keselowski in March, McDowell before the regular season ended, and recently today, Kevin Harvick. Whereas Chevrolet, we haven't seen very many issues with penalties, if any at all. So even as a Chevy guy, my question is, how exactly should Ford and Toyota react and what can they do to cut their losses, reduce penalties, and keep up with Chevrolet? All right. Well, there's the question from Josh. He thinks manufacturer-related penalty problems here. Do we? I bet Josh wears that? a bow tie to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Josh wears a bow tie. Feels a little bit like a Chevy guy. Yes, it does. Well, yes, it does. Hey, I think he brings up a good point. If you want to talk about Toyota and what they've had to do, I mean, I don't think you have to look any further than 2311 being born and, and the situation there of adding a team of that stature, you know, in line with Joe Gibbs racing, you know, for a while there, that was their flagship only race team at the cup level. And it's been about expanding to more quality cars. And they have a pipeline of drivers that we've seen sort of, you know, obviously going off to Chevy programs because there's just not a great path for those drivers to get into cup eventually for through the Toyota system. So I think that is a, a, a consistent you know, narrative for Toyota to try to expand their cars. In terms of the Ford programs, I think you just have race teams there that are pushing the envelope, right, and across the different race teams that they have. They have multiple different race teams compared to some of the other, you know, compared to a Toyota. So I think you have some differing directions and what you want to do and some things those organizations are doing differently. Uh, less the Toyota system and now what Chevy's gone to where more of the race teams are working together. So that's definitely, you know, something that I think those manufacturers are looking at. And to, to me, 2311, the expansion there is a great example of what Toyota's trying to do, which is they are trying to expand. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I'll say this, Josh. You would have, you, first, you have to buy into the fact that you believe that Brandon Jones and Kyle Busch to Chevrolet is a plus for Chevy. Not all people believe that. Not, not all people do believe that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm being That's honest fair. about That's it. Fair. It's, it's, it. Not all people believe that that is a plus for the Chevy camp moving forward. So, and and I, I think you bring up excellent points about Toyota. I think Ford is the one manufacturer that I look at this year that has been just a little bit off. Just a little bit off from the very beginning. Uh, whether If we go all the way back to the L.A. Coliseum, and even though Joey Logano won the race, uh, if we go all the way back to the L.A. Coliseum, they've just been a quarter step behind, a quarter step behind, a quarter step behind. They've won races. They've put themselves in position to win races. 
but they've not shown the speed of the Chevys, and they've not shown the speed uh, of the Toyotas. Um, they all drove Ford for a number of years. Um, I raced against Ford. I drove some Fords. Ford has a tendency to, when they have a year like this, to kick your butt six ways from Sunday the next year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So don't, don't fret for Ford. Don't, don't, be worried about, don't, don't be worried about those guys because they have a tendency to understand where they're at and know how to fix it in a pretty short period of time. They couldn't fix it this year, but you can bet your bottom dollar they're working on 2023, and they'll be prepared when they show up next year. So I don't think um, the Chevy stuff – I think the Chevy stuff is good. I like what 2311 is doing. I like what Toyota is doing. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be a different year in, next year. And, yeah, I would say, yeah, the Chevy, they've done a fabulous job with the new car and, and the drivers and teams have done. I'll, I'll just throw out there that maybe they just haven't been caught. <laughs> oh, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Loosen that, bow tie, Dale Jared. Loosen that bow tie, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Woo. All right. Well, when we come back on NASCAR American Motor Miles, more of your phone calls like Josh's, and we'll get your phone calls on Kevin Harvick, the big news of his penalty today. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. The nine got to my rear corner and got the lead. But I told myself going in, if I find myself in this position, you got to do whatever it takes. And the white flag, it's Chase Elliott, Corey LaJoy. 43 in line with you now, coming to push. LaJoy goes high, Elliott up the block, LaJoy on the wall. Race for the championship on every Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern, USA Channel. I just watched that episode. That's going to be on tomorrow night. has a great inside look at Corey LaJoy at Atlanta Motor Speedway, nearly winning that race. Uh, Let's go back to the phones and talk about the big news story of the day, Harvick's penalty, and we'll go to Mark. Mark, welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Yeah, just a, a couple of thoughts on the Harvick thing. I think it's interesting that Harvick, has been the most vocal of all the drivers about the safety issues and he's been ripping nascar pretty hard for for a good little while now and i just think it's crazy that his 29th place car got pulled and uh to to be checked out and are they maybe trying to knock his little bully pulpit away i don't know i don't know how this stuff works but just interesting that his car got pulled uh, for inspection and and they got called cheating. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good question, Mark. And I think that a few people are curious. Not just Harvick's car, but also Martin Truex Jr.'s car was taken to the R and D center. Yes. He didn't really run up front, and yep. he also has been critical of the next gen. So, uh, is is there an underlying message here, maybe being sent by NASCAR? 
It's a random draw, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, random inspections is what we're told. Random. We are told that these random. cars are selected randomly. Random. Randomly meaning that, that NASCAR is getting. I've only to been to NASCAR Hall once take. in my career, so I don't have a great understanding <laughs> of how this works. Kyle, I believe you've probably possibly been there more often. <laughs> I have my own seat there. I have yes. my own seat there. There you go. Yes. Yep. So, so here, here's the thing. Um, listen, I think Harvick has. I, I think Harvick has been vocal. Um, about a lot of different things, but I think he deserves to be vocal because he is like the elder statesman. He's the guy who's been through all these different things. He's the guy who came to this sport um, after a tragic tragedy in this sport. So he has seen this sport go through a lot of different iterations to get to where it is today. Um, and, and, and I think he has a right to be vocal uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, don't, I don't, listen, I listen to a lot of things he said. I never thought he really stepped over a line. No. But, but, NASCAR, it's their ball game, it's their ballpark, it's their ball, it's their rules. And you have to understand that when you go into it. That, that's the way it is. And, and you go into it understanding there's that fine balance. And if you step over that line a little bit, then, yeah, they'll slap you on the hands in a certain way. They might do this. They might do that. Um, but, you know, it, it's odd that they did pick these two cars. I will say that. I, I, why two cars that weren't really even in the race... When, when you look back at it. Um, but uh, that, that, that's a little bit strange. But at the same time, you know, they, I think they have a good enough, I'll say this, I think the powers that be have a decent enough relationship with this man that they could just pick, him up, pick up a phone and call him too. You know what I mean? I mean, they I, had to do, yeah. yeah, they they just pick up the phone and say you stepped over the line there. So I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to read too much into it, but you can read something into it. Yeah, I have to say to to, to Mark. Yeah, I like to think that that you know just totally uh, it, that it is random and that this is the way that it happened and it's unfortunate. We don't want to see penalties and things like that uh, for these drivers and these teams. Uh, I, I'll just say that on the side of Kevin Harvick, he's earned the right to speak his mind uh, and you'll have to show me exactly what he said that wasn't pretty much the truth in, in almost 100% yeah. of everything that he went out there with. Yeah. Um, so the, there's nothing wrong with that. If he's out there spewing lies, which he's not, uh, then that's one thing. And so uh, I, I don't see someone getting penalized for that. I, I like the good conspiracy theory, guys. I, I thought we'd just go down <laughs> yeah. that path, you know, yeah. wholeheartedly. Let's just – Mark, I, I like a good conspiracy theory. I don't know if it's – you know, if there's smoke finish? here. 29. Okay. okay. All right, well – I just, uh, I would say I would agree with you guys in that I don't believe anything he has said has been out of line. And I especially believe so in more modern day NASCAR. In the recent years, drivers have been allowed to be more vocal about certain things, about positions in the sport, uh, about the cars. I think, you know, you look back to when the car tomorrow was introduced and some drivers being vocal about that car at the time, you know, got penalties. I don't think we've seen that as of late in that sense, in terms of the more the industry is trying to work together to understand exactly how to work together, how to push things forward, how to do things better. And it's more of a cohesive group more than ever. So, and I think we hear that often with just most of the decisions that are made within the sport for the last couple of years. So I, I really, I, I love a good conspiracy theory. I don't know if it's really founded here, but I would say that, you know, especially from the comments of Kevin, I think a lot of them were completely in line with, as you guys put it, a guy who has put in a tremendous amount of time in the sport through decades and different facets of race cars and different eras of this sport and has been very successful and has a large fan base and has, a, you know, has the right to speak his mind on issues that he feels like are either, you know, something he doesn't approve of. 
Well, I'll just say this, that I didn't know what might come of saying something about the car tomorrow, so I just decided to retire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> might have been the smart uh, play. That yeah, is it. I think, Kyle Bush, right I think Kyle Bush did it for you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right after the first race. Right, right after the first, first race. race. Bristol. Yes. Where's Burton? Didn't he beat Burton that day? He did. He did. Uh, I got, whoa, I'm on it. Yeah. You are on it, man. You're all over it. All right. Well, we'll be on it one more segment when we come back, talk some <laughs> Roval. Who uh, wins the race? Who gets eliminated? All of that when we come back on NASCAR American Motormouth. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Welcome back to NASCAR America Motormouths. This week in motorsports, we've got Dale Jr. download tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock with Ned Yost, uh, Major League Baseball personality and Dale Earnhardt fan. Race for the championship, as I mentioned, Thursday, tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern on USA, and then the Xfinity and the Cup Series this weekend from the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. Xfinity, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern on USA, and Cup Series Sunday on NBC. So here are the playoff standings, guys. Uh, right now, as things stand before the 24 appeal hearing tomorrow, uh, William Byron among those below the cut line, minus 11. Uh, unfortunately, we've already gotten the news that Alex Bowman is going to miss this race, so we know he's eliminated. And I'll start with you, KP. Who do you think the other three drivers from this list are going to be eliminated Sunday at the Roval? Okay, so Bowman, obviously, like you said, but Bale, Sendrick, and Briscoe. Bell, Cindric, and Briscoe. Okay, yeah, so pretty much straight chalk. Yeah, because um, Byron's going to get his points back. And then okay. Parker, he's going to win he's the race, win the too. Race anyway. So <laughs> you have it there. And let me just, for the record, Trackhouse moves into the round of eight. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just saying it. Yeah. Just saying it. Getting yeah. one step closer to the dream. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the 40, obviously, is there. I, I think Chase Briscoe has struggled. Uh what good we saw with him with the old car on the road courses. Uh, and I read some things that he said that he felt like some advantages he had with that uh, are gone. So I, I think yeah. that it's hard to go against Austin Cindric in that because he's such a good road racer. Uh, I really think that there's a chance for him to, to move through this with stage points and, yeah. and a great top five finish or something through the day. But, but I, who am I going to take out of there? Because, you know, when you look at Daniel Suarez, I mean, he won uh, – a road race this year, so I think that's going to be difficult. But I'm so I'm going to take Austin Sindrick out, yeah. also and Christopher Bale. Yeah, and Suarez is winning this race according to Marvin Blue Parker. And that's right. uh, yeah, I mean I, I like Briscoe and Sindrick because Briscoe's won the Xfinity Series race here, and granted different cars. And Sindrick, like you said, DJ, I mean he's got road racing experience, so it's it's tough. I think Briscoe makes it through because this team has made it through everywhere they shouldn't. They came into the playoffs without a, without a top 10 in like 21 starts. They had barely made it through the first round. They, I mean, I don't think they even had a clean race there. They're in the second round here going on, on the bubble. Essentially, we'll see what happens at 24. I just think he makes it through. My question is, who does he knock out? Because I obviously have William Byron going in. I believe, and I'm just going to put this out there, that someone like Larson or Logano has an issue that takes them Ooh. out. Mm. Ooh, Ooh, man. Okay. Well, that's what you were saying earlier. That, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, all it takes know. is a flat tire That's in the last right. lap. That's, That's right. That's right. Yeah. You can go exactly from right, second to 25th in a hurry. Yep. And yeah, yeah. So you're going to have it. Close to 30 cars on the lead lap. Yeah, so that's going to be difficult. It's going to be crazy, man. Yeah. It will definitely be crazy. As I said, Sunday on NBC, 2 p.m. Eastern, the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval Cutoff Race, middle round of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. That's all we got here on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. Thanks for joining us. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.